Blue. You are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I am Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. I'm Simone Malaz with Restore Retreat. Simone, we got a busy weekend coming up. Mm-hmm. You're going to be riding in the mm-hmm. crew of Iris. Yes. Um, c- crew of Iris, correct, on Saturday. How long Saturday. have you been riding in the crew? Um, I think this is my sixth year. I go by costumes. Okay. I was a bellhop. I was Hamilton. I was like some, um, like... You were um, Hamilton last year, right? Hamilton or, last year, Do you guys yes. do like custom throws or is it... We do. Yeah. We do custom throws. So, well, we do um, uh, crew throws and mm-hmm. then some floats do custom throws. I so, love Iris and Tugs. Yeah, I think they're yeah. such I fun I love riding during the day. Yeah. It's super fun. Um, last year was our 100th anniversary wow. and so we had like a really good time. I love the sunglasses. You got to see me in the sunglasses earlier. Dude, yes. I did. They're stylish. Yes. So, I've never been rained on, so... You're gonna. It's kind you're of the my good time. luck charm. No, it's kind of my time. No. I'm okay with it. I'm okay yeah. with it. All right, we'll bring your ponchos and your umbrella because <laughs> the fun does not stop. And exactly. the NOPD has said we are not rearranging this. Exactly. You know, you got to go out in the rain if you want to. Yeah, have and fun. that's okay. That's yeah. part of motorcycle. That's how we right? do it. Got to yeah. take the good with the bad. Did you parade this weekend? You know, I did a few. I went. You to, had rugby. Well, I had my rugby tournament. That was. Uh, <laughs> it was good. We scored our first try. Yay. Um, which is, uh, I don't even. Yay. Yeah, it's a point. Okay, good. And then yeah, I did some of the parades on Sunday and, and on Friday. So it was mm-hmm. good. I like the early parades. You going tonight? I don't know. I don't know. I need to see what the weather's going to do. Mm-hmm. I like Nick's. I love Nick's and Muses. So we'll just have to see. I do want a shoe um, <laughs> or a purse or something. But anyway, so what, what work-related stuff is going on this <laughs> well, week? Well, we had such a fun show last week. Yes. It was so great to have Jonathan Foray on board with us. He was Grand Marshal of the yes. Chauvin Parade that went off without a hitch. And Beignet, Beignet is like a viral star he now. He did not see his shadow. No, which means that... It's it's about hurricane season. He said it's like a less active hurricane season. Yeah, yeah. So it's just good. Who cares about Punxsutawney Phil when you got Beignet, right? <laughs> I talked to Jonathan earlier this week, and he told me that um, during the um, Chauvin parade, that um, more people were calling Beignet's name. And nice. oh, <laughs> well, that's you know, that's I, what what happens when you roll around with a furry uh, mascot. But also thanks to Blake Haney with yeah, Dirty Coast, absolutely. loved having the show, yes. having them on the show, and talking about their creative process and all the great products they put out. <laughs> they had a funny blip this week, and he's like, I shoved some king cake in the server, and <laughs> I As love it. I saw that. They're so fun. What well, a fun show. What do we have lined up for today? Yeah, today we are talking um, about different topics. Um, we're going to talk about the Turtle Cove Research Center um, and some of the work that's going on there, particularly some of the Christmas tree recycling programming that um, exists. And then later in the show, we're going to kind of, it's a little bit New Orleans-centric, but we're going to talk to Dr. Brady Skaggs with um, Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation just about everything about water management, you know, pipes, freezing, that sort of thing. Um, and so it'll be a good show. Have to say thank you to everyone, you know, who um, gave public comment on Definitely. the NERDA Barataria Basin Restoration Plan. For folks that don't know, this is $2 billion in funding that is going to... You said Barater- billion with a B. Billion. Billion. Yeah. Barataria Basin Restoration um, in Plaquemines Parish um, and, and throughout the basin. But it looks at... Um, the plan is to use a variety of different restoration projects um, to restore habitats after the oil spill. Um, and we had over 800 people say awesome. that they supported awesome. um, those it was efforts. A pretty solid plan. Mm-hmm. And we do talk about these different efforts a lot. We want to make sure that you know, and we tell you often that, you know, that's not make believe money, that's actual money coming to the state of Louisiana. And uh, another public comment period is coming up. Uh, the state's annual plan, their FY19 plan, is on the street, and comments are due on 
Lundigras. Lundigras. So Lundi get, get the that's comments those, in. That's those Baton Rouge people. They don't celebrate <laughs> don't, like don't we get do. <laughs> get the comments in and then go to Orpheus. Exactly. Yeah. So we had Jason on, uh, Landclose, mm-hmm. uh, on the show, in a previous show, talking about what the annual plan is and what it does. It's their three-year spending plan. Um, and so it's really important to follow um, those plans because uh, that's really where, um, as Jenny would say, the rudder meets the road. Yes. Jenny is so wise. Um, <laughs> well, We're so excited to get to our first guest, Dr. Rob Morrow. He's manager at Turtle Cove Environmental Research Station um, with Southeastern uh, Louisiana University and also a professor at Southeastern. Welcome to Delta Dispatches, um, Rob. Well, thank you for having me. Let me get off of the speakerphone here. (laughs) Yeah, no worries. Did we catch you sleeping? (laughs) No, I promise. We had you on hold for a little while. Sorry about that. That's all right, but if you hear a little sniffling in the background, uh, no worries, and uh, getting over a little bit of a cold oh, here. Oh, yeah. It's been a rough... Uh, I'm yeah. sure about probably uh, half of the country is, too. Yeah, it's been a rough flu season and just cold season, so I hope you feel better, and thank you for joining us um, despite that. So, Rob, I've had the pleasure, actually a few times now, um, of being out uh, out at Turtle Cove Research Station. Um, you know, you provided a tour for our groups, um, you know, and, and we got to see the facility and go walk on the boardwalk. We also have done media tours out of there, um, and you've always been such a great partner, and we really appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about Turtle Cove, where it's located, and some of the work you do out there. Uh, Turtle Cove is the environmental research station for Southeastern Louisiana University. And uh, the actual building itself uh, was really built in 1908 as an old hunting lodge. Uh, A businessman out of New Orleans by the name of Mr. Edward Schlater was the guy that originally built that facility. And uh, it was built, you know, as were most facilities at that time, on the ground. Uh, they didn't have, you know, big pilings where you could build up real high. So uh, it's a uh, wonderful old facility that has survived a very long time through a lot of different hurricanes and floods. And uh, when Mr. Schlater passed away in the 1940s, the uh, facility itself, Turtle Cove, uh, as it was known, and there's some reasons behind the name. I can tell you a little bit more about it if you're interested. Um, when he passed away, the place was rented out by locals, uh, local families around the Hammond, Baton Rouge, New Orleans area, uh, as a recreational facility. So it was a hunting lodge, continued. And um, later on, uh, the entire state was donated to the state of Louisiana, and the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries used it as their headquarters for the Manshack Wildlife Management Area, which is uh, an approximate 10,000-acre marsh out in that area of uh, Manshack and Rudock going up towards Ponchatoula. Um, Later on in 1981, when Southeastern was looking for a field station for its biology department, I guess everything lined up in the correct ways, and uh, we entered into a 99-year lease with the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries to have Turtle Cove be our biological field station for Southeastern. And then I think it was in around 1990 or 1992 uh, that my uh, predecessor, Dr. Bob Hastings, who was the first director at Turtle Cove, uh, changed the name to the Turtle Cove Environmental Research Station, uh, probably uh, and appropriately to um, designate how the facility had really become much more interdisciplinary. So there's a lot of different uh, groups of uh, scientists and other users that utilize 
the facility, although the primary user is our biology department here at Southeastern. Yeah, and I mean, it is a beautiful, um, you know, property and just, you know, in terms of what you research there. I mean, a lot of our organizations have done tree plantings out there, and we've talked about the importance of the Moorpaw Swamp and Manshack Land Bridge, and so access to that is, is really great, and I'm sure for the students as well. And you've been there since 1997, is that correct? I have. I, I came in in uh, the summer of 1997. I was uh, getting my doctorate at the University of Wisconsin in Madison in uh, interdisciplinary environmental studies, and I was really trying to, to find my way back to the state. I'm a local, and uh, I had an opportunity at Turtle Cove, and I, I um, started working on a small grant there and uh, have been there ever since. Well, that's awesome. Well, we want to talk a little bit more about the programming, and especially I know there was a huge effort that you've done you know, for several years now with partners such as Middendorf's and others on Christmas tree recycling. So we want to kind of follow up um, here what the status of that is, as well as some of the other great um, research that goes on at Turtle Cove. We have to take a short break, but we'll, we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana, to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. Restore or Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join Join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. Mardi Gras is over, but the party is far from finished. The Coalition to Restore Coastal Louisiana is celebrating our oyster shell recycling program with a two-week celebration. Starting February 20th, our partner restaurants will have daily oyster specials. So eat up and collect commemorative celebration doubloons. Use those tokens March 8th to win fabulous prizes during the celebration finale at Urban South Brewery. For dates and information, visit crcl.org. That's crcl.org. And remember, once you shuck them, don't just chuck them. To Delta Dispatches, this is Samoma Laws with Restore Retreat. We're here every Thursday on 990 WGSO and online through our new podcast. Um, welcome back, Dr. Rob. We, Thank you for having me. Uh, just about a week or so ago, NBC uh, News featured uh, Jefferson Parish's Christmas tree program, and, and it's uh, just a great way to bring awareness to our coast. And so tell us a little bit about your Christmas tree recycling program. Who's involved? What are the logistics? Tell us a little bit more about it. We've been involved with Christmas tree recycling here at Turtle Cove uh, since about the early 1990s. 
And um, it's a program that uh, used to be really big. We had uh, some state funding uh, back in the day before the, the recession hit in uh, the middle part of the 2000s, uh, where we deployed a lot of Christmas trees. Um, before I came here, there were times, I know when we had uh, National Guard helicopters doing mm-hmm. Christmas tree yep. drops and things like that. Uh, over the past 10 years, the program has been much more of a volunteer-type program, and we've gotten around four to 500 or sometimes 600 uh, Christmas trees each season. And classes at the university over here, my class and some other ones, uh, have participated in bringing those trees out uh, into the marsh um, for various uh, efforts, different types of research efforts I can tell you a little bit more about. We have partnered uh, here most recently um, and over that time frame with the city of Hammond, city of Ponchatoula, uh, Middendorf's restaurant. Which mm-hmm. Oh, wait, did you... Did you uh, need Jock and I? Yeah. <laughs> Did you need Jock and I to come yeah, out there? Yeah, can we come to Mendorf to have some crispy and, like, catfish? And them in person? Yeah. Is that? We'll have to arrange that. We can definitely <laughs> arrange that. In fact, I know this year they're having a program where if you bring your Christmas tree over to the restaurant and put it in our Turtle Cove trailer, you can fill out uh, a form that's a raffle ticket. Cool. And, um, Very cool. You're going to have a raffle for a $50 uh, yes, certificate. We always sit in the old part. So they never. Nice <laughs> we always sit in the old part. They uh, they have the nice new part yeah. too. But if you need Jacques and I to go out there, you let me know. I will do that. <laughs> and, and I just need to mention uh, some other partners that we've also had uh, over the past. Lowe's has been a partner. Um, we now have our own university sustainability center. That's oh, very cool. Drop off site as well. Uh, and this year, uh, Home Depot actually brought the city of Hammond. Um, a whole bunch of trees, I think around 500 trees that uh, the city will eventually uh, bring to us here in the next few weeks uh, to deploy out in the marsh. So we've had lots of great partners, and it's uh, and it's running very strong right now. Yeah, that's great to know about Home Depot and Lowe's. Obviously, they were selling Christmas trees and didn't want them to go to waste. So that that's really important. That's a good, great partnership. So what happens when, you know, when the Christmas trees are put in the marsh? Like kind of what is the benefit that, that, that they provide? And, you know, what are some of the results that you've seen from the Christmas tree recycling program? Well, there, there are lots of really good reasons to recycle your Christmas tree. Uh, first of all, you're keeping them out of the landfill. That's number one. Uh, second of all, when they're placed out into the marsh, uh, and we've put them along shorelines in the past, we've also... Uh, use them to uh, do some research studies on filling in logging ditches. Uh, they help to build habitat. As the grass grows up through the trees, uh, they become very stable there. They help to trap more sediments uh, that are flowing in and out of the, out of the system through the uh, tidal functions. And um, they just sort of help uh, create habitat and land that will, in the end, uh, prevent erosion or help at least slow down erosion. They're also a great way for people to get involved in doing some hands-on environmental work. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, that's mm-hmm. something that can't be understated because it, it really is important, uh, especially in today's society where we're not as connected as we used to be with nature to really get out there and see what some of those benefits can be. So when we have our students and other volunteers come out and help deploy the trees into the marsh, uh, it's really important from that aspect. and. At the same time, you're creating habitat, too, in an area like the Manshack wetlands where we're losing wetlands, as we are in lots of places along the coast. 
Yeah, and you know, I mean, we actually were out uh, launched out of Turtle Cove, and, and you helped us with boats when we were doing a media tour to advocate for um, the river reintroduction into Morapaw Swamp project. And you know, Dr. John Lopez with Lake Poncho Train Basin Foundation was there, and he was talking about really since the closure of Mister Go, how you've seen mm-hmm. salinity levels drop in, in the area, and and now a lot of the trees that are, are plant being planted, you know, they're they're really able to take off and grow. So, tell us a little bit about that, but also, um, you know, the importance of the the land bridge and the Morpaw Swamp and why it's such an exciting place for for you and students to research. Well, the land bridge is is a really exciting place, um, and it's a very important place. If, if you look on a map, uh, as you can see, you know it's one of the big protecting uh, bodies of land for all the communities to the west and to the north, and it's also a very important uh, areas of fishing community. And there's some ecotourism that's happening. I'm not sure if you guys have heard or talked much about the Manshack Greenway uh, that's proposed in that area, which is going to be along Highway 51. There's a lot of folks working on that right now to make it a bike trail and an area of recreation. But uh, you're exactly right. When the Mississippi River Gulf Outlet was closed a few years ago, uh, we started to see uh, very soon reductions in the salinity rates that were in the western Lake Pontchartrain area. Uh, before the closure of the Mr. Go, uh, those rates had gotten pretty high to the point that it was very difficult, if not impossible, to try and replant uh, any types of trees over there. And I'm talking mainly some of the cypress replanting efforts that have happened, you know, over the years. But with that closure <clears throat> of the Mr. Go, we're now seeing the rates go down, the Saloni rates and I know that the uh, efforts that the Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation uh, are doing and the Coalition to Restore Coastal Louisiana are doing to replant cypress trees in areas that there is some higher ground, some elevated areas, uh, that they are showing some success, some really nice uh, and long-awaited su- success. That's great. Um, and, you know, I, I, you're exactly right. It's a beautiful area for ecotourism. I've had the opportunity to go kayaking out um, in the Morapaw Swamp, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's breathtaking, you know. So, um, highly recommend getting out there. And speaking of that, I mean, do you open the station ever to, to, to visitors? And where can people go to learn more about Turtle Cove? Well, we are a um, part of a, a public institution, part of the state institution, Southeastern Louisiana University. And we lead uh, lots of different uh, organized educational and outreach tours to Turtle Cove. And when I say organized, uh, we take lots of school groups out. We take university Mm. classes out. We take uh, any general environmental groups that want to have an organized trip out into the wetlands of the Manshack and and learn more about our impacts to coastal wetland loss. We also uh, support all the research that's done out there, and that means the researchers not only from Southeastern, which are our primary ones, but also from other universities. So uh, on average every year, we bring out more than 2,000 different individuals a year Wow! Uh, to Turtle Cove uh, to get a view of these wetlands. We have a nice um, uh, website. If you go cool. to uh, www.southeastern.edu slash Turtle Cove, that's our website, and we have a... Uh, Facebook page as well. That's um, Turtle Cove ERS. That stands for Environmental Research Station. Great to know. You can find us on those areas. Do you still have the video up? You used to have a video up too, right? We do. We have a nice public relations video 
that our, our, our wonderful Southeastern Channel folks did for us a few years ago. And that really gives you a good uh, understanding of the history of the Manshack area, uh, background of all the issues and, and what we do at Turtle Cove. I should also say that this past year uh, we developed a really nice uh, Manshack Turtle Cove artifacts exhibit oh. at the university uh, in our library over here on the third floor and a duplicate exhibit at Turtle Cove itself. So oh, nice. now when visitors come uh, out to see us, uh, not only do they get the lectures and the tours and the walking along our uh, boardwalk in the back on the self-guided boardwalk uh, tour, but they can also learn more about the history of the entire region by going through that exhibit. That'll be uh, our excuse. The research station. Jacques and I can go to Middendorf yeah. and to go see the exhibit. So tell us real you quick. Know, we I have. I think we need to line up a trip. Yeah, we I think so. That soon to get you guys out. <laughs> All right. even host your podcast oh yeah that would be awesome on the on on the road yeah and we'll do that but you know dr rob we have to let you go because we're up against time but thank you again so much for coming on we'll have to have you back there's so much more we could talk about have to ask one last question thick or thin catfish you know i am a fan of the thick Ah. and folks love the thin i know they do and it really is awesome and it's very unique but I do like the thick a little bit better. Uh, you can't go wrong either way. No, we'll need a taste right. test. Yeah, taste <laughs> test. All right, well, thank you so much, um, Dr. Dr. Rob Morrow with uh, Turtle Cove uh, Research Station. Um, we'll be right back after the break. Hello, you're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. So, Simone, I, I've realized, I think this episode is a bit of a look back mm-hmm. on maybe Christmas. We had Christmas tree recycling, mm-hmm. a look back on winter weather. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to talk about freezing pipes that we all experienced <laughs> not too long ago. Um but I'm really excited to have on the show our next guest, um, Dr. Brady Skaggs, Water Quality Program Director with Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation. Welcome to Delta Dispatches, Brady. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Do you like pina coladas, walking in the rain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I guess it's kind of apropos that I showed up in um, water quality. Uh, I used to be a swimmer. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I'm formerly a swimmer um, and... Here I am doing fun Never things. Never swam in the, the lake, right? I have swam in the lake. Oh. We're gone. Yeah. Yeah. And you're here to talk about it. <laughs> and I'm I still kidding. live. You're fixing that. Yeah. It's because, That's what we're working it's on. because LPBF has <laughs> exactly. fixed the lake that you can. Exactly. Did you grow up here? I did not. I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. I okay. have family from the New Orleans area uh, and some family that still lives here, but originally from Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, cool. Lots yeah. of Florida, Louisiana connections there. So how long have you been at Lake Pontchartrain? Basin Foundation. I just started in March of last year, so I'm relatively new to the organization. Yeah, good deal. Well, I'm sure all of our listeners, um, you know, can not forget what happened a few weeks ago. Never forget. Never forget. Hashtag. Um, <laughs> you know, with some of the freezing weather that we had, we were had the pleasure of being in a, a work retreat um, <laughs> and, you know, folks having to travel to and from Baton Rouge and the chaos that ensued as a result of the icy weather. But I know you recently wrote an LTE, a letter to the editor uh, and the advocate, kind of talking about why this is a uniquely New Orleans challenge and how, what we can do as homeowners, residents, to, to confront it in the future. What made you want to write that letter to the editor? Well, I was amazed everything ground to a halt. I mean, <laughs> and it really did. Uh, first, you have people asking you um, to turn on your taps and let your water run in your sinks. And then the next thing you know, that everything is 
has to be yeah. turned off. And, and that is uh, just amazing. Um, Welcome to New Orleans. <laughs> one of the things that um, uh, I, I guess it, it's pretty recent in my mind, my folks put back together their house after Hurricane Matthew in Florida. And um, when they went over a certain threshold of that building value, they had to update their hurricane windows and they had to revise their uh, wastewater system. So it was just uh, kind of fresh in my mind about why are we going to fix broken pipes, mm-hmm. which is usually a $5,000, maybe a little bit more average um, per claim. Why are we going to put it back exactly the way it was? Um, and what can we do about it going forward? So um, at, at the Lake Foundation, we are uh, very interested in, in restoring and preserving. Um, that's one of the things that I think the narrative in New Orleans has been great around stormwater and coastal uh, restoration efforts. Um, no, it's not usually in the forefront of our minds, except for when we have a boil water advisory that we need to fix water or we need to secure our water future. Yeah, and, and so I live in Jefferson Parish, and it had been a very, very long time since we had a boil water advisory, actually since Katrina. And um, I know Orleans is a little more used to that, unfortunately. But But why is this so uniquely New Orleans that that would happen to us? It wasn't unique to to Orleans Parish, yeah, right, you know, right, it, it was amazing that it showed up in Jefferson Parish as well. Mm-hmm. And and I think one of the the things that has certainly contributed to this is that we've we've raised our homes mm-hmm. and we've we've gotten them off the ground to protect ourselves in the event of a flood. Um, and in doing so, we've left our pipes exposed to the elements. Um, it, it's amazing that you may have one pipe running along the bottom of your house that is. Um, just going to your sinks and it goes to your hot water heater and that's internal, but your house may be designed differently. So you may have two pipes, you know, a hot water and a cold water system that's out in the elements. Um, so there's, there should be issues and sensitivities around making sure you protect both systems. So what, what can we do as homeowners? How can Jacques stop crawling under his house to check his pipes? Um, or not, you didn't want to crawl under that day. I had so. someone take care of that for <laughs> Exactly. What can we do as homeowners? And you're right, I, I live in a raised house and, and do Jacques too. does yeah. too. So tell us what we can do as homeowners to, to protect ourselves a little bit more in the future. Also, what's amazing is that this doesn't happen in other areas, right? Mm-hmm. It, it usually happens in the south, the worst, where you have flooded um, infrastructure at your, at your home. Um, and it is the responsibility of the homeowner or the landlord from the meter side of things uh, through the house and into that faucet. Um, there's a great publication, a research paper, that um, a lot of the, the pipe breaks occur at, at, at certain temperatures. Mm-hmm. So you should know that you know, if things get down into the 20s, um, that's a great message to, to be aware of, that if things get into the 20s, you need to protect your pipes and keep things flowing. Um, there is heat tape. Uh, insulation certainly uh, helps, and it, it, it protects things to a degree from wind chill. Um, but really, it's if you have the opportunity to rebuild your house, um, that may be one of the systems you want to look at as far as using freeze-resistant piping or freeze-resistant tubing, um, particularly if you have an older home that, that also has lead solder in the mm-hmm. pipes. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely something we did after that freeze, right, which was... Let's not go through this again. Let's just go mm-hmm. and buy the insulation that we can like wrap around our pipes and have that, you know, just so we're, we're ready to go next time. Um, well, speaking a little bit about some of the environmental elemental challenges that we face as residents of New Orleans, there was a great 
um, feature article by Richard Campanella in The Atlantic that um, was published, I think, yesterday, um, that talks about sort of the history of our geology, how humans have altered the landscape. Um, so tell us a little bit about that, but also what do we need to do given the changes that we've impacted on um, on the land to live better with, with water? Um, I know that's another focus of Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation. Well, I, I think that if if New Orleans, and it's very unique as far as culture and everything else, if New Orleans tries to stay New Orleans and they do the New Orleans thing, then you're going to be okay. Um, and by that, I mean that um, we're a very different city and we have very different geographic features than a city like Savannah. So we don't need that, you know, that template or that layout. Um, I've read a similar article that, that suggested that New Orleans should have built like Venice and then we would have been much more resilient. And, and that's um, something that the founders of our city didn't do, obviously. Um, but I think that we need to start separating ourselves from the idea that what's worked in the past is going to continue to work going forward. Yeah, Venice has a little trouble too, though, right? I mean, they, they certainly have their own challenges right now with sea level rise and, and some issues like that. So no point in looking back. Right. But in terms of looking forward, I mean, part of that, right, is I think for a while now we've had this... Um, uh, I don't know, proclivity to just pump everything out, right? Mm -hmm. And so now people are saying that that's not necessarily the best approach, that we need to embrace water. Is that correct? Like the Dutch. That is. Um, a lot of folks are focused on some green infrastructure improvements um, and either improving that water quality by having a basically a biological filtration um, or by slowing down the velocity of the water that you have to pump. Uh, building a bigger pump is not necessarily the answer to the question that we have, and we can't pump ourselves out of this this dilemma. I mean, they've kind of done that to a certain extent in Jefferson Parish, mm -hmm. right? Where mm -hmm. they will... They pumped upon us, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Tell us, uh, you said the uh, kind of buzzword, green infrastructure. For our listeners, what does that mean? Um, you know, we talk about gray infrastructure. Tell us a little bit more about green. Well, the green infrastructure approach is using um, plants and kind of, kind of restoring the things to as they were. Um, increasing the, the amount of pervious surfaces that you have on your property, trying to slow down the velocity of rainwater and, and ultimately the volume that you have leaving your um, property. And in doing so, you're going to um, minimize the, the peak volume that you have to pump out and the total volume. So it's, it's a way to basically get um, stormwater back into the ground in the least impactful way possible. Mm -hmm. Very good description. Very good description. Well, we want you to stay with us for another break if you're okay with that. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the other things you have going on at Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation. Uh, this is Simone Malaz with Restore Retreat. You're listening to Delta Dispatches every Thursday on 990 WGSO. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast. It's people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore Retreat. And I'm Brady Skaggs with Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation. Welcome back, Brady. So, Thank you. Brady, if you've listened to the show before, you know we have to ask <laughs> He's a He's an avid listener. Question. Like podcast. Podcast. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I do. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. Thank that you. means a lot. Um, but, so fun question. We'll start there um, to kick us off in our final segment. Have you ever done a mm, water? Are we playing? Have you ever? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we should. <laughs> Have you ever done a water jet pack and on Lake oh, Pontchartrain yeah. Basin or Lake Pontchartrain? And if not, would you? No, I've never. 
Okay. And I would love to. Have that, you seen that? that? I've seen those guys yeah. out there by the, by your lighthouse. Yeah. They're out there with the jetpacks yeah, on. Yeah. So so Mahoney works at Lakeway, and uh, they do all kinds of stuff. And he's got a perfect view of the lake. And so yeah, that that would be fun and interesting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there's a, but there's so many uh, cool recreational opportunities mm-hmm. on the lake. And sure. I know you have your lighthouse there. It's open to the public. Is that correct? That is tr- that is correct. We have a museum and tours there. Um, and that's exactly what we want. I, <laughs> I didn't know about a jetpack, uh, you know, I've, as far as never have been on one, but um, we want people out there enjoying mm-hmm. the lake. Yeah, sure. it's, yeah, I mean, I just love, it feels like such a different city, right? You're it on does, the lake, it does, you're on the lakefront, and then you're on the river, and it's like two different cities, but equally love them both. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the best things about New Orleans, right? Yeah. That you can go to the lake, and they have the whole boat culture, and it, it just seems so different. So, Part of the reason why that's really important is because of Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation, and they did a, a whole campaign to, to save our lake. And so tell us a little bit about water quality and, and, and the lake and history to where we are now. Well, as far as water quality goes, um, we've really had some tremendous uh, success. Um, things started off in the lake itself um, in the late 80s where we stopped and, and made that effort to stop the uh, clam dredging. Uh, that that dredging activity causes all kinds of silt to kick up, and it kills the submerged aquatic vegetation. So, a lot of the the health of the of the, of the lake has come back from that effort. And we've also restored uh, a lot of the um, a lot of the lake and the the water quality of the lake just by helping and working with our partners in Jefferson Parish to change the way that they discharge wastewater. Mm-hmm. So it's going into the river and not into the lake. Um, the waterway was impaired up until 2006 oh, so wow. that you, you couldn't swim in it. It was, it was unsafe mm-hmm. because of the fecal coliform that was in, that was in the lake, which is a indicator of sewage pollution. Um, so since that time, we've, We've evolved and taken on other objectives, but yeah. So you've taken care of the lake itself, but also taken care of what goes in it. True. So, good point. Yeah. I have to ask, too. I've, so, Lake Pontchartrain technically is not a lake, I right? Heard this, this it's week, an yes. estuary. Can you explain that? That is correct. Uh, it is the place where salt water and fresh water meet, and it's one of the most productive eco- ecosystems in the world. Best blue crabs. And um, it's a, it is called a lake, but it is open to the Gulf, um, tidally, and everything else. So, um, and you can find our, um, there was a, a story about it this week with, with John Snell, Fox 8. And you can find uh, some of our previous guests, Dr. Alicia Renfro and David Muth were featured mm-hmm. in that piece about why Lake Pontchartrain is not a lake and why are some, you know, why it's endangered, right? Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. of that vulnerability. So tell us a little bit about some of the programs you have working on the North Shore and, and some of the things that you're doing about that contribution to what goes into the lake. So we're really concerned on the North Shore, and we have a lot of the water quality groups uh, project work occurs on the North Shore, where we are working to improve waterways and, and have these waterways come off the impaired water bodies list. Um, tubing is a great activity mm-hmm. on the on the Boga Flya. Um, we want to see the that continue. Chifuncta. Chifuncta. <laughs> All of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's that's a that's a great activity, and it's it's so much of what makes South Louisiana great. Um, so what we do is we have a basin-wide um, pollution prevention uh, program, and we do a systematic sweep. My predecessor, uh, Andrea Calvin, um, developed a methodology to go in and, and to look at point source dischargers and to help clean them up, get them permitted correctly. 
um, and then to to work with the home systems. So a lot of folks um, don't understand or haven't had that that education of uh, what their home system mm-hmm. needs to, to be working correctly. Um, and we, we work with them to try to um, make sure those systems are, are functioning as intended uh, and you don't have a lot of, of discharge coming off of those units. Um, and then we also work with our government entities to try to improve those waterways. And through those those collaborative efforts between those three different groups, um, we usually see reductions in, in different water quality parameters that we use as metrics. Um, but primarily what we're in, interested in is, is the fecal coliform, which is pollution. It's it's sewerage. And you've seen improvements um, in some of the, the rivers and, and the work on the North Shore through those efforts? Yeah, so Lake Pontchartrain is the largest waterway to have been removed from a, a fecal-impaired uh, wow. parameter. And then we've also had uh, nine other, if I recall correctly, nine other waterways on the North Shore that have come off that list. So you can use it for primary contact recreation now. You can swim in it. safe. Mm-hmm. It's great. I mean, and, and I think it's a perfect example of, you know, we see these environmental challenges. We think, oh, my God, they're so big. There's no way we can ever, you know, really impact change. But then Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation has shown that you can, you know. And it and starts at the, your home sometimes, mm-hmm. too. So, right, it starts at your home and it impacts what you do on the weekend if you like to go tubing or jetpacking, those kinds of things. So that's really great work. Thank you. So what other kinds of big initiatives do you all have coming up at Lake Pontchartrain this year? Um, we have a few things that are, that are coming up. Um, we will be starting an EPA uh, grant mm-hmm. fairly mm-hmm. soon. Uh, that grant will be That's looking at, at different pathogens. Well, we do a lot of work with the EPA, Good. but this particular grant is going to be looking at pathogens um, in the environment from those decentralized wastewater discharges. And we'll also be looking at uh, mosquitoes um, and, and kind of tying that together. And, and some folks um, may not think that water quality is incredibly important, but when the um, mosquito vector that carries West Nile virus prefers sewage contaminated wastewater that's that's in your front ditch. That's a that's a really big problem, yeah, and I, no I I think that's what we want to study and try to get that message out. Yeah. I didn't know this, but this was also in the Campanella article. Apparently, mosquitoes are not native to Louisiana; that they were brought here by the transatlantic trade. Really, that kind of makes sense. Can you imagine Louisiana without mosquitoes? Mm, no, be, be heavenly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would be heavenly. Yeah, we'd be Florida. Do you have mosquitoes there? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as we wrap up the show, uh, we have a couple minutes less, uh, left. Can you tell us more about where you can find more information about your work? Uh, Twitter, Facebook, give us all the details. Yep. Um, I'm not social media inclined, mm-hmm. um, but we do have a web- great website, uh, www.saveourlake.org, which happens to have all of our links to different social media avenues, uh, Facebook and, and Twitter. Also an events page, a volunteer mm-hmm. page too, mm-hmm. I think, right? Yeah. And I mean, there's tons of, I think you're, you're still doing tree plantings, if I'm uh, not mistaken. And then I know the um, crab trap uh, Ooh, rodeo, rodeo is coming up. We've talked to John Very Lopez soon. in the past about that. <laughs> yeah, our, yeah. our coastal group does a great effort with tree plantings and, and, and looking at the changes as far as coastal uh, preservation and the, the crab trap rodeo. Um, and we also have the spring sweep coming up in mm-hmm. March. Um, it's a a picnic and a, and a chance to clean up where you where you enjoy yourself. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. Well, thank you, Brady, for being on with us. We're, we're most appreciative of your time. Um, we just have a couple of things we need to wrap up here, huh, Jacques? Yeah. We have annual plan comments. Monday. Right. Is can, that midnight? Uh, mm, sure. 
Sure. Just get it in Monday. Sure. We'll give it, uh, we'll get you a pardon if it's yeah. midnight. Uh, yeah. The plan can be found at coastal.la.gov. Uh, anything else? No, I mean, that's pretty much it for now. We've had some, you know, big actions um, that people have taken. Yeah, thank you thank for all you, your support. Thank you again. Um, and yeah, as always, you can go to deltadispatches.org and catch up on prior episodes. Um, we'll have to see what happens next week after Mardi Gras. Yeah, yeah. Please be safe Gras. this Mardi Gras. Be safe. Enjoy. Go catch some uh, shoes and purses. And What does 30K say? Happy almost Mardi Gras. Happy almost Mardi Gras. Really? <laughs> all right. It's been, you've been listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. Have a great week.